What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today is returning guest, Mike Giant. He's actually been on the show two times before. Um, and it's, it's rare, I guess. Uh, only the Live Free Podcast slash Wisest Wizards Podcast is the few... It's the only one who... Uh, only people who have been sort of return guests on the show, but maybe I should start doing that. Like, I'm going to try to catch up with people who have been on the show who maybe have a show coming up this year or next year. Um, maybe get them to talk about the show just before it comes out to help promote and uh, sort of give the people who are going to see the show an opportunity to hear a little bit about um, some of the stuff that might be in the show. We actually didn't get to talk too much about that with Mike, um, but we did talk uh, Oakland art business. LeBron James, Rebel 8, OG Levels, Addiction, Metaphorical Suicide, 33rd, Sharing Air, Data Collection, Imaginary Drama, Surplus, and Henry Lewis. Um, So as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast. You'll get all the information about each guest that's been on the show. Um, You can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, just go to iTunes, search Mike Maxwell, Live Free Podcast, and you can subscribe and all the shows will show up right in your iTunes. I'm so, I'm sure people who actually listen to the show and already subscribe are so hick, sick of hearing that. Um, but uh, the more subscribers, the better for some reason. You can also donate to the podcast via PayPal over there. Um, all donations go back into helping the show be better and are are always much appreciated so you can drop a a nickel or a dime over there Uh, that'd be awesome this episode is sponsored by freakwear.com and let's uh let's emphasize the spelling here because uh, the enunciation is different than the spelling uh it's f-r-e-k-w-a-r-e uh this is a clothing line that's been uh supporting the show i'm super psyched to have them on board um they have a, a company slogan that's, uh, that says, uh, Freak by definition is one that is markedly unusual or abnormal. Some would say different, even unique, not the norm. Embrace your uniqueness, be you. Freak represents those that stand out from the pack, those that push the limits because they saw things differently. It is the freaks of the world that push us to greater heights and expose the crap that popular culture feeds on. And I was sort of thinking about this. Like, uh, I it, it made me think about like the type of person who, if somebody's getting beat up, like the the type of person that's willing to go in and break up a fight and put a little risk on themselves to uh, to help another person. Maybe like the term freak has these sort of negative connotations. And again, that's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E dot com. Um, and like I was thinking about like even like somebody who's willing to help somebody else when when they're in need is is it's not often it happens in society. Like we're we're so used to um just doing what what we're supposed what we're told to do, really, is is I think what it breaks down to. Like when you want when when you're willing to step out of the normal societal bounds and say something isn't right, like it's usually those people that stand up against injustice, uh, stand up against violence, stand up against, um, you know, I think injustice is, is probably the best word. So I think, I think that this company wants to sort of aim it at people who are like that. And maybe by doing so, create more people who are willing to, 
to take a stand and sort of stand up for other people or, or even themselves. So check them out, freakware.com. It's F-R-E-K-W-A-R-E.com. And they, they use the, the little dash over the E, so it's the hard E, freak. So yeah, make sure you go check them out. Uh, you could follow us. You can follow them on Twitter too. I think they're at Freakware on Twitter. Dang it, I wish I had the Twitter up right here. Uh, I should pull this thing up anyway. Talk amongst yourselves. We have a, a code that you can use if you go over there. Save 20% if you use the code word. I'm pulling up my Facebook now. Uh, okay, use the code word LIVEFREE. L-I-V-E-F-R-E-E. -E, and you'll get 20% off your online order. So make sure you go do all that. Follow uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Live Free Podcast. You can follow me at Mike Maxwell Art, and Mike does, Mike doesn't do much of the social media, but you can check his website MikeGiant.com or go to Rebel8.com, and uh, he has a blog over there, so you can click on the blog and get all his information as well. So I think all that business is done. Anything else I'm supposed? To, it seems like there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. Anyway, so. With all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Mike Giant. Hello? Yo, bud. Oh, no, no. Now, is that me? I think it was my fault. Yeah, is that right now? Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that, buddy. I'm pushing every single button on my phone, except for the ones that actually work. <laughs> I have shitty signal in my apartment. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It sounds cool, man. Well, um, thanks for shooting the shit with me again. You're the you're one of the the few uh, returning guests that's been on the yeah, show. Yeah, I noticed that. I uh, that's cool. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Like a lot of the the shows that I've done, like I feel like I get I get what I need to get from the people, you know. Like yeah. in, in terms of an interview, but like uh, I've ha I have another little show that I do with uh, some of the guys that I train with, uh, yeah. and so we we run that show like every few weeks. We're gonna try to do that one regularly, but um, uh -huh. yeah, I'm stoked to have you back on. You got a lot of uh, uh, big things coming up uh, in the next few months here, some big transitions yeah. and such. Right. Yeah. Um. And you got uh. You got a big solo show coming up uh, at the uh, end of this it, month? It's a big one, to be honest. Uh, my buddy's uh, new gallery in East Oakland called Mano de Oro. Um, it's just a little storefront. He lives in the same building, and uh, he's wanting to turn it into something for a while and finally got motivated to get the, uh, the storefront cleaned out and ready for a show and asked if I would do the first one and I was like, well, totally. Right. It's in a neighborhood that we used to do a lot of graffiti in, down near uh, Fruitvale Bar, uh, 23rd Street Tracks. I spent a lot of time there in the mid and late uh, 90s um, painting and stuff, and that's where I think me and uh, Paco, the guy that owns the, the gallery, I think that's where we met initially. How, uh, so, how different is it? Yeah. You know, not like uh, not like 
like what I would consider big, so uh, which sure, would be more okay. like 60 to 100 pieces, you know? Uh, that's specifics. It's the first show you've done in a while, though, huh? What's that? It's the it's the first solo show you've done in a little while, though. Uh, it's been a little while. I mean, I did that one at Deco Face uh, last year. That was all the skating stuff. Oh yeah. Um. So it hasn't it hasn't been that long, I suppose. I've taken you know longer breaks between shows, but you know again, it's kind of not something I'm pursuing. I'll do it more as a favor for a friend. Or if I just need to unload a bunch of drawings or happen to have a bunch of drawings in a similar theme, and then I'm like, oh, I should probably show these, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's not like, I don't know. I'm not really trying to hunt that shit down. That's something we've talked about in the past, like a sort of ambivalence towards the fine art world, a sort of just a, a kind of... Uh, I don't want to say a lack of care, but a sort of a disconnect from it a little bit, not that much interest in it for you. Yeah, generally I found uh, people in the gallery business to be super shady. Um, and again, that's kind of why now I just show with people that I'm good friends with. That's the main thing. It has nothing to do with, you know, how much money they can throw at me or how much they think they can sell my drawings for. Yeah. You know, and it kind of never has been. I choose the fine art system quite a bit um, from like 2000 to 2010 uh, just so I could see the world on their bill you know so I did a show somewhere that they always put me up in a nice hotel for a few days and then I could just go raise hell so you know that way it was always kind of a good payoff as far as I was concerned it's I've been thinking about that stuff a lot lately like the business of art versus the actual making of art Mm -hmm. and I mean you're a guy who has you have your hands in a few different type of creative pots um it's it i've been thinking a lot about like the difference between making stuff just because you want to make stuff and then making stuff because there's an audience that you feel like you have to sell to like the difference between like if i was making a pizza and had to was thinking about well or you know if i was opening a restaurant like what type of food would fit in a certain neighborhood or, you know, like that sort of thing, like that type of business versus the sort of creative, pure aspect of just creation. Like, do you you find any of those fights with yourself since, since... Of course. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I turn down a lot of work just because ethically I'm not into it or whatever. I feel like it's just not taking advantage of my skills or they'll just find somebody else. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've systematically gotten myself away from having to hunt down freelance work and work for people that, you know, I wouldn't particularly support their products. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why Rebel 8 has been so awesome for, for me personally, you know, for the last like 10 years, I've just been able to kind of draw things that I'm still vastly interested in. And I just get a regular check, you know, and the guy I'm getting the check from is my best friend. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's pretty dope. So before I, that... I had to work to get there, you know? Did you, before that, before Rebel 8, did you find those things like, like doing projects that you didn't want to do to be able to pay rent and, you know... Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when they're throwing huge money at you. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I got I got even burned a few times by companies like Nike for you know, they offer let's say ten grand for just some words. Just so I could write out some script or something. Yeah. Um, I did something for LeBron James that I never got paid for. And it was something else for them in particular, but that's just it. Like while I was doing it, I'm like, I don't even like basketball. You know, <laughs> I don't even know who this LeBron James dude is. I could give a shit. You know? Yeah. And it's just like I'm doing this because they're throwing so much money at me. And it's just like I'm glad I'm in a position now where I can just be like, fuck that. You know, because I do get crazy jobs thrown at me now. You know? Yeah. Easy six figures regularly, and I just don't need it. So I don't do it. You know? I could sell a poster, for, you know, for 20 bucks for cash to somebody. And just do that a whole bunch at a party once a month and have to do some corporate job. You know? Yeah. But I'm, I'm lucky. I can do that. You know, I know I am. I, I, I wasn't in that position 10 years ago, perhaps. You know? What do you think some of the changes have been since then to to make the... Would you say it's hard work? Uh, do you think there's been some culture? Yeah, yeah, hard work, for sure. I mean, I've already been drawing for a few hours this morning. It's just something I do, you know? Yeah. I just draw. Uh, and, and without that, it would have gone nowhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, That's, I was just thinking... But at thinking... the same time, too, like, I haven't set my sights very high in particular and I still keep my expenses really low it's like I have the ability to turn down a $20,000 job because I'm not in debt and you know I live in the place where I work I keep it real low key I don't have a car you know there's all kinds of stuff that like I barely have to spend much money at all you know um and and that's for a reason yeah by design if I had the car payment and wanted to live like a fucking baller, then yeah, I'd have to chase down those fucking checks from those corporate people. But, you know, fuck that. It's not my style. You know? Sure, yeah. Well, um, Rebel 8 is making a, a big migration south. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're already down there, man. Yeah, it's already beginning. Down, down LA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, it's, it's a big thing, actually, like, uh, we just needed to grow. Yeah. And Josh started looking for warehouse space in San Francisco, and it's gone up just like the all the rents in the rest of the city, you know? San Francisco is the new Manhattan as far as real estate prices are concerned, you know? Cost yeah. per square foot in San Francisco is more than Manhattan now. Wow. And that's, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. It's still little San Francisco, this little... I don't know, city full of little villages. And that, that's something the, we talk- uh, internet company swallowed it. So, you and I have talked about that, how San Francisco is one of the few places where the housing market didn't crash. No, it never went down. The, the rents continued to climb while the rest of the country was dealing with a gnarly uh, depression in the last you know, 10 years or so. Yeah, for sure. The city, the city has changed so much. I've never seen a statistic just a few years ago that said uh, in the period from 2000 to 2010, more people left San Francisco than any other city in the whole country. Wow. And most of it, unfortunately, was the people on the lower end of the economic scale. Right. Which, you know, unfortunately, again, which is very American, it was a 
that a large portion of your uh, fan base or, or the people who wear your guys' clothes uh, are in Southern California as well. It's a funny thing like that. Like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's like Hard as much as I think we've been connected with San Francisco, I do feel you. I saw people wearing Rebel 8 just as much if not more in Southern California when I traveled down there. You know, of course, when I go to places like Albuquerque, my old hometown, I see Bubble everywhere, and it, it stokes me out. You know? Yeah. It's super rad. And the same in New York, even. You know, yeah. walk into any tattoo shop in New York City, and probably somebody is wearing a Bubble shirt. And it's probably one of the employees, too, which is fresh. Sure. Yeah, it's, you know? for sure. And that's something. I wonder if there's some connection to the the rising popularity of tattooing over the last 10 years too, where I, I would say that you have a sort of OG status amongst the, the tattoo community. Um, you know, you've reached yeah, a certain yeah, level. Yeah, you know, among the younger generation, of course, who I think of the OGs are way older. Sure. There, and, you know, there's always going to be the next step of OGs. Yeah, yeah know, exactly. Among each generation. But I'm, I'm curious if maybe that, that plays into some of the, the making your brand and your guys' brand more accessible to a, a larger group of people if if the sort of tattoo acceptance has changed some of that, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's pretty solid. Like, our tattoo connection, you know, I mean, even this morning I've been drawing Tattoo Flash. You know, it's something, it's something, it's something that we're living. You know what I mean? Yeah. Both Justin and I are still getting tattooed a lot, too. Yeah, I saw yeah. Uh, you. You, got, I ha, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you since you got the back of your head tattooed. Looks like you've been getting yeah. tattooed a bunch. Yeah, that's what's left, man. Totally, I'm suited otherwise. So I'm starting to creep up onto my neck and head. Yeah. And then, and then I'll be done for the most part. I'll add little doodads and words and things. I'm sure throughout the rest of my life. But I'm I'm damn near suited, and it feels really good. You know. I uh, the last I I got my feet done was the last thing that oh, yeah. uh, Aaron Della Vadova did uh, yeah, some food dogs on my feet. Yeah. And goddamn, I don't want to get tattooed again. I just I, I have no. Yeah, the feet are humbling, huh? Whew, probably one of the so roughest bad. weeks ever. Yeah, yeah, it's probably. I mean, you can feel that the skin is so thin. It's like when you just pinch the skin together. You can see how thin it is versus when you pinch the skin on your arm. Yeah. It's like 10 times as thick. You know what I mean? You can just feel it. And, uh, oh, God. How did they heal? It was kind of hard when I was healing my feet. 
the he well that was the thing that's what took what was the most painful was the healing like the swelling yeah. um you know your feet are so far from your heart so there's a like a, it, i think it, it's almost like the the section that's trying to heal will hold all the blood just because it knows it takes too long to pump it back through the system <laughs> you know? yeah i remember my feet were pretty swollen and i had to just chill for quite a while yeah i don't think i didn't wear shoes for a week yeah i had to do the same i wore socks but i, I made sure i had really really clean socks on but yeah. after that like uh I, I only want to get little tiny Ben Grillo dime size tattoos now. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I feel you. I can only do like two hours, two and a half hours at the most. And I have to do the whole thing. I mean, what I consider sober, I still smoke hell of indica, but um, I, I don't take painkillers or drink any booze anymore. I can't, you know? The weed so, doesn't make... Uh, experience. The weed doesn't intensify the pain for you at all? As well, yeah, the weed for me is more, uh, in, a, in particular, it just brings me down. It's, a, it's like my version of a tranquilizer. Yeah, so I haven't taken any pharmaceutical drugs in years, so stuff like that works. And I also put Arnica gel on the area that's going to be tattooed before, during, and after. And that really seems to help me, too. Yeah. But for a lot of people, they don't notice that at all. It's, like, useless. Yeah. So, again, I mean, if you used to, like, I used to, take four a leave and drink a Colt 45 <laughs> 22 ounce and yeah. get fat knickers and that was my mix that was my shit like Billy D. Williams works every time <laughs> and it turns out that that's exactly what caused all my stomach problems you know that kind of thinking of just like fuck it you know yeah. and that, that mix in particular sugar alcohol and pharmaceuticals is just that's a that's a Concoction. You know? Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, God. Yeah, it ruined, it ruined me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a big problem throughout the country, really, people mixing pharmaceutical drugs with alcohol. Like, that shit can get super well, dangerous. Yeah, I, you know, when I was young, I used to think the EPA, like the Environmental Protection Agency, and the FDA, the Food Drug Administration, Yeah. I thought that they were out there to protect the citizens from dangerous substances. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I figured, you know, they tested everything and they wouldn't see us anything that long term would, would fuck us up. You know? Yeah. But now I realize, you know, people just create products. They put them on the market. If they cause problems and get some attention, they might be taken off the market. Yeah. You know, but there's not like anything going on beforehand so much. You know, they're really trusting the people who are making the products to have done the proper testing. They never do. It's, you know? It's funny that so, you bring that up. You know, like, yeah, our generation grew up on things like high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I mean, I don't know why people are tripping on it more. I mean, it's, it's definitely destructive. You know, any sugar turns to acid in your stomach. And as you process sugar more and more, it becomes more and more and more acidic. And the acid is what's burning out our guts. You know, it's like the American diet is super high in acid, and mine was terrible for that, man. I've been a vegetarian for 20 years, but I eat like shit. 
you know? Yeah. I eat donuts whenever <laughs> the hell I want it. You know, I eat six donuts and then go to sleep after drinking a 40, you know? <laughs> Gut bomb. You know, I just, I just thought I was, I don't know, I don't feel like I was warned even properly, you know? Yeah, well, you know, it's I look at it... like that. It's almost like a class culture thing. Like I, I think I think about this a lot. Like through the '40s and '50s, when um, sort of more mass-produced foods started becoming available to a large market. Like there was almost like you know, like when people in a in a community have to buy the nicest car on the block or whatever. Like it was almost like you had to have all the uh, mass-manufactured. Uh, fake foods in your cupboard as a like a social status. Sure, you know, like well, and half the time they put new, improved on it, which makes you think that it's better than just regular fucking food. Yeah. Or you know, or even like when my friends from Europe come visit and they're like, "Do you buy organic?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I buy organic as much as possible." And they're like, "That's so funny that you have to give a word to something that's just." natural <laughs> yeah. you know you yeah. Americans are so lost into your process you know and I, I have to agree with them you know it's, it's it is it's it's incredible I mean I've been thinking about it a lot lately because my health has been kind of the primary issue on my mind you know I've been dealing with some heavy shit and everything's fine yeah and I'm having to I'm having to rethink everything that I put in my mouth pretty much you know and yeah. that's been good um, but well, it has made me look back on my life and, you know, my first job was at McDonald's at 16 years old. And I remember thinking, yeah, this job sucks, but it'll pay for gas and skateboards and I'll get to eat this shit for free. Yeah. And I did. I'd make myself double McRibs. I'd scoop the mix right out of the ice cream machine right into my mouth on clothing shifts. <laughs> like, I was just, I was a monster. <laughs> and I never stopped and I know my parents tried to warn me they definitely did you know but yeah. at the same time we lived in New Mexico and I'm of northern European blood and I got used to eating the hottest green chili they could throw at me you know <laughs> and was notorious for being able to put it back you know even one of my Mexican buddies would be like damn bro I don't know how you're fucking with that you know <laughs> but boy you caught up with me I can't go near any of that kind of stuff anymore either so, my lifetime supply. Are you making yeah. what type of dietary changes have you been making? Oh man, I pretty much only drink water. Uh, vegan, a lot of raw, uh, almost off the diet right now. A lot of soup, salad stuff. Yeah, stuff that's gonna break down real easy. Uh, I pretty much ruined my colon. That's what's clear. So I'm having to rebuild it. Yeah. So I had to just start from the ground up. You know, I had problems last year, and uh, I thought I had them under control. And uh, I started to kind of wean off the program I was on last year and get not totally back into my regular dietary routine, but a little bit, you know. Yeah. I got back into, like, flour and stuff. Like, I don't go near any processed flowers whatsoever. Uh-huh. Ugh. That's, and that's so hard because it, it, everything has it. Oh, I think you're breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's been a big adjustment. But it's also pointed out to me some basic addictions. 
Sure. It's like a, a Buddhist teacher told me once. You don't think you're addicted to things. Well, uh, what happens when you don't get to have a hot shower in the morning? Notice how painful or just unpleasing a cold shower can be. You know? Yeah. That means you're pretty addicted to that. You know? We were just, so, Crystal and I were talking about the sugar. There's a lot of food, you know, that I thought I was addicted to, for sure. Yeah, Crystal and I are for sure addicted to sugar. Like, there's weird little times, like, in the evening oh, yeah. where it's just, like... That's the worst one for me, yeah. Like, some cake I feel it. Ice I cream. Almost like I can, I'm understanding what my junkie buddies must have gone through in withdrawal. It's like, my mind will come up with all kinds of crazy reasons why it's okay to eat sugar. Yeah. Even though my body is like, hell no! You know? Yeah. And well, you know what I find interesting too, which is a total like junky thing, is the connection to like sugary foods that you have after like a salty meal. You know, like certain foods that trigger a, a even yeah. bigger addiction. It's your fucking birthday, you get a cake. You know, it must well. a little bit every. I don't want to just celebrate on special occasions because I could die tomorrow. I want every day to have a little work, a little play. You know, and some pleasure and some joy. And so I would always treat myself with something sweet because I had that association with it. Yeah. And so now it's funny because people want to celebrate. And they'll put drinks and cupcakes in front of me. And I'm just like, I can't fuck with any of this. I'm sorry. You know? And it's it's just so, it's so funny. It just points out so much stuff about our culture. Like, sure. just abstaining. And what's, you know? a, what's amazing is how destructive those things are in comparison to like like I was I was saying how how easy it is to get fat and how hard it is to get skinny like the the comparisons are the divide is so wide. Uh, You're breaking up uh, again, Mike. I think I don't know what the fuck it is. I'm on a top. I wonder if he's talking and hasn't realized that I'm off the phone. That'd be funny. Sorry about that. Hey, no, I, yeah, I don't know if it was my end or yours. Um, so we cut out right when I was talking about the divide between how easy it is to get fat and how hard it is to get skinny, like putting the right things yeah, in your body. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you just look at the number one selling drug in the whole world, Lipitor. It's a drug that lowers blood cholesterol. So if it's the number one selling drug in the world, that means... That blood cholesterol is the number one problem in the world, doesn't it? You would think you know? so. So why is that not being addressed? You know, I mean, when I'm in, when I'm in Europe, I see shows about America, and it's about Americans being so obese. They think it's funny. They go to Texas and they film obese people, and they think it's hilarious. They can't <laughs> understand how we get so fucking big. Texans are the biggest people in the, on the whole planet. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the rest of the world knows it. It's it's incredible, you know. But like I say, you know, they're just going to give you Lipitor. They're going to make money. They're not going to teach you that you need to stop eating all the shit that you're eating. Yeah. You know. And frankly, I can kind of understand that. You know, I think the big reason there's so much processed food is because of fear of starvation. Yeah. You know, we always forget that the population explosion is something that's real. You know, for tens of thousands of years, it's slowly gained. And as soon as we learned how to use oil, you know, 100, 200 years ago, 
it spiked, and it's just been going straight up ever since. You know, that's a lot of mouths to feed. You know, and it's like if farmers are saying we can produce this lower grade of corn in incredible numbers, then you know, let's do this. Right. And then that creates all these weird surpluses, and then they had to figure out what to do with all this weird corn they made that they can't really feed the animals, but they can turn it into sugar. You know, and now we got it. We're feeding the cows. We've been feeding cows corn forever, and cows don't process corn. They're grass eaters. It's, it's, it blows my mind. You know, there's you know? been um, <clears throat> a big uh, upsoar, a sort of a sort of popularity rise for uh, more grass-fed beefs. Like actually, oh, yeah. you know, like people are starting to realize that all this corn that we're pumping into our system is killing us. And it seems yeah. it seems that people are starting to wake up, and it's not you know like yeah. the sort of like hippy dippy community has kind of, they've already been on top of these things for you know twenty plus years, thirty years, and it seems like more yeah. mainstream people are whatever that means. I'm only using those terms as a definer here. I, I understand. Uh, yeah, they're I starting do. to catch on. Like I've been talking a lot like about how opening a fresh juice smoothie shop would be beneficial and I think uh, uh, prosperous in this yeah. sort of time period where people, like, I hear more people talking about juicing than I ever have before. Yeah, uh, that's a slippery slope, too. Juicing? You can have crazy amounts of acid in a juice. Sure. Yeah, I don't mess with juices. Concentrated, too. Again, what's the difference between a pint of fresh squeezed orange juice versus eating an orange. You know? It's like, eat the orange. Yeah. Don't get yeah. the apple juice. Eat the apple. Yeah. You know? It's like, heroin wouldn't be a big problem if people were just growing their own opium in the backyard. That's what I mean. You know? So, like, a lot it's of like smoothies... Coca coca leaf is fine, but you make it into cocaine? Yeah, it's a fucking <laughs> problem. You but, know? And that's what I mean. And that's another thing of the last, you know, 150 years. The, the whole idea of... Uh, solutions of concentrates. And that, people don't realize that, that, like, juices that you buy at the store are, you might as well just get some soda. It's the same thing. You might as well just get some soda. Kinda. Kinda. I mean, but, but soda still. I know, it's bad, but in terms of all the fake sugar that's in it, that's why I think of an actual fresh juice. Not not really, you know, we're hyper-caffeinated as a culture, too. Sure. And and even coffee is not There's a, a dude named um, Dave Asprey who uh, is one of these like biohacker type of guys. He went through and was like got his whole system all you know checked out, did all these like crazy tests, and started figuring out like what he was putting into his body, how it was reacting in his body, and um, he he started to he he has a. Uh, this coffee that he sells called bulletproof coffee and what he had found was that a lot of the coffees that we're drinking are um they have uh my, my, mycotoxins which is like a, a, a 
a minor fungus or mold that is is forming on the beans and that a lot of the coffee that everybody's drinking is sort of just a like a low dose of poison every day that they they people people drink coffee and get like a sick stomach and usually it's from the these toxins that are found just due to storage you know yeah i can see that because they're producing so many beans and especially in like the starbucks culture now yeah right no i mean i i haven't had anything caffeinated in quite a few years and you know when I ride through like the Mission District here and I'm riding past all the coffee places where they have seats out front, I just shake my head because I think they're all just addicts, you know? And they're just addicted to the stuff that the system says is okay. But it's because, you know, everybody's making money. It's like, why are cigarettes legal yeah, and alcohol, sure. even yeah. though they're the most obvious killers, yeah. you know, statistically, you know? In you, know you know what I've found? Know, whatever. I'm curious, like for me, I have a serious uh, espresso addiction, and I I find more often that, and I, I find this with my addictions in general, because I definitely have an addictive personality, is it's the, um, it's the process of getting the, whatever the substance is, whether it's sugar or, you know, or weed or coffee or anything, it's, it's like, it's the sort of ceremonial ritual of doing the things. That becomes right. more of the addiction than the actual substance. Yeah, I feel like we were talking about that earlier. You know, just how like, yeah, we make things special, like the birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? So when somebody's making you an espresso, and they do the little design on the top, like the clover. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's special, and it's a special moment in the day. Definitely. I mean, that's what it is for people that smoke cigarettes. I mean, I don't know a single cigarette smoker that's like, dude, I fucking love the taste of smoke in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just part. I love taking this moment out, and all I'm going to do right now is enjoy my cigarette. And nobody can say shit to me. I kind of need to go somewhere away from people, unless there are other smokers, and then it's all good. You know, two over there. And that's the, that's the thing, that, and that's the part that I think the, the, you know, advertisers and, you know, the producers are trying to get us to, to think, you know, the, to not trip on the ritual part, to only be tripping on the, the payoff, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Emotional payoff half of the time with food, you know? Yeah. And, you know, with cigarettes... To tie it back to uh, what you got going on, it's sort of sometimes for people it is like a metaphorical suicide, like which is the title of your show. You know, like people are yeah. sometimes people are slowly killing themselves on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in 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 my thinking, the metaphorical suicide part has been a bit more about what's happening right now and killing off a lot of my old habits. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've met lots of other uh, artists that I really love to come to, like uh, Van Cortland Johnson, the dude that did all the Apollo Mm-hmm. He, he really feels like he had a, a personal transformation. I'm not sure if he was 30 or 40. I feel like it was 30. But he speaks about himself in the third person about his pre-30 thing. Yeah. Now, he, he feels like the transformation was that big. And I feel like that's a bit of a metaphorical suicide. 
you know? Because he's went on to live his life, but he lived it on very different terms. I mean, you get to know the dude personally. It's, it's, he's really, really, really interesting. And I found him super, super inspiring. And so in the same way, I find myself at that kind of a crossroads um, with a lot of things, you know? A lot of things in life, a lot of the basics. And it's been uh, an interesting time, you know, for sure. I, I kind of, when I was looking at the flyer, I kind of got a sense that, that it kind of felt like you were leaving the Bay Area. So it kind of seemed like, it almost felt to me like you were giving like a last hurrah, even though that sounds like way over dramatic and probably not all that realistic. But uh, do you get any sense of that? Like, like I, you used the word transitional, and I actually I've been using that word a lot too. Like weird generational transitions, and I kind of feel like I'm I'm definitely feeling that same thing around. I'm 33 now, and it feels like I I just made one of those weird transitions too. 33. Yeah. Isn't that the year? How old was Jesus when he supposedly was crucified? Yeah, 33. Supposedly, I don't know how they did math back then though. Isn't <laughs> yeah, right, 33 and a third. You know, and think of it in thirds. You know, I mean, you know, different cultures break things down different ways. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm certainly feeling that big transition. You know, I I ended up in San Francisco in 1993 because I had a job working. You said something to me a long time ago uh, that I, I think you were getting ready to move to Amsterdam, and you said something uh, about like how you know it's just a further extension of your front yard. Like you're on your porch now, and you're just a little bit further away in your front yard yeah. from your porch. And that always yeah. stuck with me, like that you can that it's it's okay to make the world your entire home. It sort of makes you think uh, about the place a little differently. It is. It is. We need to think of it that way. You know? It's like all the carbon monoxide that we're throwing up into the air from our fucking cars goes all over the planet. You know? It all does. Yeah. It's like it's it's one air. You know? It's, and, and when you... But, you know, how many Americans leave the country? You know? You, you're not going to understand those kind of big picture things, I think, until you kind of and understand the big picture by experience. Yeah. You know? The, the air that I'm breathing right now is the same air that you're breathing down there in San Diego. My homies in Osaka are breathing. My homies in Paris are breathing the same air right now. Sleeping away. Yeah. You know? It's all the same. And, and, and I'm seeing that kind of sentiment in young people. And it, it's so incredibly inspiring to me. You know, it's like as much as 
I'm a conspiracist and I, I worry about this one world order. <laughs> yeah. I can see that the, the people are doing it. You know? Yeah. Like, I had a friend visiting from Australia recently and I asked him, hey, but being in America for this long, you know, are you starting to understand a bit about what it is to be an Australian? You know, and the differences? And he was like, no. No, I mean, the, the people I'm interacting with are just like the people at home. They know about exactly the same things. They're living the same way. They're even communicating with people on the other side of the planet regularly. Right. You know? And I was just like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Because I feel like nationalism <laughs> is something that causes a lot of problems. and gets people to go shoot other people. Yeah, But if we're all feeling like we're all brothers and sisters... Like the Buddha wanted us to, and like I see young people feeling like that's incredibly hopeful and inspiring to me. Yeah, that's what I want. Seems like you know, technology. I've been trying to get across to people, even you know, in my artwork. Like we're all one for real. It's a, the, the the technology now is 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 becoming the sort of facilitator of that, the sort of great equalizer right. of of truth to some right. extent. And it still takes human beings to make the stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know? As much as the internet business and all that shit has ruined what I consider San Francisco, I feel like they really just, oh, it's just fucked with it. But they're the pushers right now. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, it's like they unleash software, and it's up to the public to see what they do with it. And some of it is explosively awesome. Yeah. And some of it is explosively terrible. It's like Dr. Jekyll you know? and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, it's like, I just started tripping on the fact that if I sit down with eight friends with our laptops in a cafe somewhere, and we all search for the same word, you know, any random word, uh-huh. we're all going to come up with different uh, picks on a Google search. Yeah. And those picks are based on what has already been uh, programmed as our, the things that we like, the things that we look at often. Yeah, like you know what I mean? So it, it caters the search results to the things that it knows you kind of want to see. Kind of like TiVo just understands what kind of shows you want to watch and then, oh shit, TiVo, right on, thanks for taping that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, but that's fucked because if you're a, uh, a Christian conservative, you know, fucking Nazi, and you do a search on there for some political, that's going to show you the shit you want to see. And the same thing for my, you know, stupid ass. Like, I'm going to search, it's going to show me all the green, homeopathic, you know, righteous, Buddhist shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, so weird, huh? that's super fun, too. It's like insane. It's not even controlled, it's just programmed. For yeah. better or worse, right? Just algorithms you know? collecting data uh, all day. Yeah. Interesting to see how it how it manifests and how it can go wrong so fast. You know? But again, yeah. at the same time the public can just fucking lose interest and just be like, Fuck that You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, we always you know? have a choice. Whatever. I mean it comes and goes. Like who's on my space anymore? You know, like, I don't think I've even looked at my station in years. No, no. Literally years. I think, I uh, no idea. Timberlake, no idea. Justin Timberlake bought it and tried to revamp it. Wow, really? Yeah. That's hot. <laughs> yeah, but that's just that, like, 
interesting because it's all fucking imaginary. Like, if the power goes out, the fucking internet is gone. Like, all it takes is one good meteor to fuck up the fucking magnetic uh, pulse of the planet, you know? Yeah, all of yeah. that is screwed. That would be the apocalypse, really. But for people like me and you, you know, we just get to work. I mean, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah, you, can you know, we're used now. to making things by hand and not relying on things that are fucking imaginary. Right. You know, money's fucking imaginary too. Again, if the, if the lights go out, what the fuck is money? Yeah, you know, what worth is money? If they really, the electric is not going to come back. Like, it's, it's fucking imaginary. You know, I always remind myself that kind of shit when I ride around on my bike. Like, what if there was no electric? You know, fuck, yeah. like the gas pumps wouldn't work. <laughs> it's out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I would love it. When I was in San Diego to see the movie premiere and there was that blackout, yeah. I was stoked. It was <laughs> one of the best nights I've ever had in Southern California. That's right. People were super courteous. You know, like, remember how, like, people were driving slower because the streetlights were out? Yeah. And even the. Uh, you know all the traffic lights so everybody came to an intersection they were like oh shit alright let's see is there anybody around is everything cool alright we can go and, then, and everybody was out in the yard having a good time seeing out of the neighbors like laughing about it like hey you need some candles being hella neighborly yeah that oh, I shows loved it. I loved it when there's a, a common goal or even like uh not a not a threat, but something a, a common oppression. There becomes a, a great sense of community. Absolutely. I mean, look at what happened to New York City after nine eleven. You know, all my friends that lived there were just like, dude, it was fucking weird. People were so friendly, like so friendly. You know, and everybody was just in a super somber mood and just like living life. Like it seems you know. Like- Glad to be alive, but after years so, of, you know, back, back to back to normal. Yeah, you know, we're amazing animals. We have to, we heal, we forget about it. You know, we have to find and a reason. That's something that they take advantage of too, the systems that be that we forget. I think we we need to find a reason to bond together without the use of tragedy somehow. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be awesome if it was the reverse. I mean, you see that happen once in a while. Martin Luther King got that going on. Gandhi got that going on. Positive action, positive motivation. The Buddha. But boy, are they rare. Usually, you know, unfortunately, from my perspective, a lot of times change happens when the military flips. A classic coup d'etat. Mm-hmm. When the people in the military listen to their main general and the general is like I disagree with the president this whole government I'm going to take it over and then all the guys in the military are like we agree with you let's do this right and then you got a dictatorship now sometimes that can work out and sometimes mostly it's a power trip and as much as they want it to help they end up taking too much power and screwing everything you know, I mean, North Korea is like that right now. There's quite a few places on the planet that are like that right now. They don't get the fucking internet. You know what I mean? They're not allowed to see that shit. They're not allowed to participate in the world. You know? Yeah. And and that's real, but that, that's usually when shit will jump off. You know? We saw that. I'm, I'm, I'm more hopeful for, like, little changes, you know? Yeah. Just, that's I don't like... know. Just, 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 
like I, I feel like as much as people love those shows where they can call in and vote for the dancer or the fucking singer that they like the most, yeah. why the hell can't we vote for a president like that? Like, why not? There's no rules. We make the rules. This is our culture. This is our government, you know? I think we end up with Oprah for president, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know? Somebody like that. If America really got to choose, you know, not just choose from these two knucklehead politicians that they think, you know, confront their, their game. No, we really get to choose. The last time I feel like we really got to choose was the first president, George Washington, and he didn't want the fucking job. <laughs> yeah, he was exactly. a general. And we were just like, come on, you're the leader, you're the dude, you've got to do this for us. And he was like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. fuck, all right, all right, all right, but I don't know what this job is, you guys don't either. What's your fucking job? You know, like, oh, it was a mess. But he stepped up because that's who people wanted, you know, who wanted. You know, now we end up having to choose the person that we dislike the least. Yeah, that, and that's the scary you know? thing. That's so fucked. And why is it always these fucking politicians? Businessmen, really. You know, nobody takes the presidency for, for the paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, like, it's the after check. Like, they only get, dude, I, I think they only get like 120000 for their salary. You know? Yeah. They do that for what they get in a private practice afterwards. All presidents make crazy fucking millions in private practice after they're the president. Yeah. And then they're, they're in on the old boys club. And they all know that. And that's unfortunately why they can't really and don't really care to do shit during their term. Because all they're trying to do is keep things cool until they get out. Yeah, as far as exactly. their professional careers are concerned, you know? And you know, it's not, you're only there for a few years. What can you do? You know? That's why don't change. The crazy thing is, is that everybody knows this, too. This is, this is general yeah. knowledge for everyone now. But again, everybody's day-to-day life is fine, right? Yeah. I mean, think, I mean, to me... When I think of a regular American life, you know, I feel early in the morning, you know, like maybe 7.30, take care of your shit, drive to work at like 8.30, get to 9, work, 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 lunch break, maybe a smoke break, right? Most of the time you're just there sitting, sitting at work, sitting in your car, sitting at the breakfast table, and then uh, you got your afternoon at work, you drive home, you get home, you throw the fucking TV on, you drink some beer, right? Yeah. Have another cigarette. Hang out with the kids, maybe, if you got if you got kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just so sedentary to me. And so regular. And so monotonous. You know? Yeah. And, well, I don't know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a trap. You know? I mean, even I noticed it myself. I, I never watched television, but friends of mine have been telling me, dude, you should check out Breaking Bad because it was filmed in Albuquerque. And I'm like, oh shit, Albuquerque. And they were like, yeah, some of your graffiti's even in the fucking show. I was like, dang, that's crazy. So, so I started watching it. And I noticed that after I would watch an episode, the story would continue in my mind. Now, as someone who doesn't watch television all the time, I really noticed it. 
Yeah. You know? Because it was a new thing in my mind, like this drama. And I'm like, God, I wonder if they got fucking shot. I wonder what the fuck happens in the next episode. And man, I only had to do that for two or three days. And I was just like, why am I wasting all this energy on this fucking show while I'm trying to just draw here? And I noticed that my heart would race when I would start to think, oh shit, did one of them get killed? I don't know. Oh fuck, you know? And it's just like, fuck this. I just stopped watching. I think our sensory organs are kind of dumb, I think, to a certain extent. Like, I think... No, I think our sensory organs will rise to the occasion, my friend. That's the bitch. Well, in terms of... I think we're, you know, we're... Look at how much we multitask constantly. People driving and drifting and shit, you know, with the stereo going and the kids rapping to them too and... Oh, yeah, I think in terms of in terms of watching TV, I think that part of our brains find ourselves actually in the story. You know, like when you go to a movie and you're yeah. totally entranced in it and you come out. Fun. That's what I mean. You get lost in that, and that that becomes your excitement. You know, that's it's that's like the fucking Matrix, man. You're you're lost in the, you're lost in the entertainment. Do you feel like, you know? it, for me, I think that um, uh, certain, like, exercising or certain activities can take the place of that excitement? Do you find that with, like, biking? Sure. And... Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't have the TV around, man, so I just draw more, I read books, I'll just go for a fucking walk with no destination in mind, yeah. you know? I mean, and that to me is freedom. That's living. I, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I don't need to fill my head with imaginary drama. You yeah, know? Yeah, I, th- I believe it creates extra stress. I know it does. Yeah. It did in me, yeah. quickly. I know, you know, just from watching one goddamn show. You know? I, uh, I mean, granted, it's pretty gnarly. I didn't know it was going to be that gnarly, because friends that know me know I, I do not try to consume any sort of entertainment of violence in the least. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that shit was fucking real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? I've never watched... Yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. It. Yeah. But I don't watch No, it. it was way too real for me. You know? Like, they did such a good job of getting New Mexico folks down that it was creepy. Really? To me. Yeah. Oh, man. Just, like, the subtle accents and where they were and what they were fucking driving. And, man, they had it down. <laughs> It was really strange, and it was like, unfortunately, it was a lot of the stuff that I think is the bad parts yeah. of life in Albuquerque, you know, and that's the part that sketched me out. Like, I have definitely had friends shoot at each other over drug deals and yeah. stabbings and fucking strangulations, you name it, dog. Yeah. Like, this shit is fucked up, you know, and it is, it is fucking crystal, you know, it's, it's terrible. You know, that's one of the, I don't know, that's one of the things that scared me the most. You know, there's nothing worse than a glassy-eyed, tweaked-out gangster with a fucking weapon in his hand. Yeah. You know, and a whole crew of them, you're looking at straight-up devils in the face, you know? It's just the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's real. So, yeah, I, I didn't find it all that entertaining, you know? And yet, that's so, someone... So be ca- it. I learned my lesson. None yeah. of that. <laughs> I uh, Joshy just posted today that the uh, the new Rebel Eight line is dropping on uh, April Fool's Day. I don't know if he's fucking uh, people uh, or not. Uh, I don't think he's fucking 
<laughs> I saw he posted up. That would be that would be a Monday. Yeah, totally. I'll, I'll actually be in LA that day. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm still. Again on, uh, Okay, nice. I saw it was. Are, are you doing? Uh, are we looking at like a maritime theme? I, I there was an anchor piece that he posted today with the snakes. Oh shit! To be honest with you, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like the. No, I'll explain it to you. It's still point now where I've done. I've been really, really productive. I feel like last year in particular, I cranked out a lot of Rebel Eight graphics. Yeah. So I got kind of ahead of the curve, so to speak, in the company, sure. which is kind of how I end up doing it. I did the same thing at Think. So now I'm just kind of giving free reign on some level. I still chat with him about everything, but I can just kind of do things as I need to do them, and then I hand them in. Yeah. And then he feeds them into the collections as he sees fit. And sometimes he'll see themes from the available graphics yeah. that... I wouldn't have seen or even thought of. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you just create uh, a, like a library, basically a library of imagery? Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. So I just keep feeding the library at this point. And uh, it's really cool in that way because each season is a shock to me as well yeah. on some level. Like, you know, like the drawings I'm doing right now probably wouldn't hit the streets for... Honestly, a year and a half, maybe. You know? So, I don't know. Like, I, I get to see color comps, and I get to see the catalog when they first uh, debut the catalog. But to see the actual garments firsthand, every season it's new for me. And it's really cool. It's and it's been be... amazing to see how the graphics have been utilized. Better and better in my mind over the years, too. It's got to be sort of comforting, too, to have the uh, sort of surplus as opposed to a deficit where you're like, ah, oh, fuck, i got to get this drawing done by the end of the week or, you know. That's, yeah, I don't know where I got that from, but that's generally how I operate with work-type shit, you know. I, I, I like to be prepared. Like, even as a tattoo artist, I hated doing the drawing right before the client got there. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to have it done. Maybe even a week before. Then I could do another revision right before the, the appointment, maybe. Yeah. You know, just give it a once-over one more time. If it needed it. Sometimes, you know, you just get it right. But, uh, you know, a lot of times I wasn't having to draw stuff in the morning. You know? Which was fine. Because a lot of it was, uh, you know, like a day of the death skull. I could draw it right beforehand and draw it like I've never done one before. Yeah. You know? Right. Um... Ultra genius types that are just perfect at everything, at least seemingly. No, I mean really no? process. Like in the case of a back piece, like they'll take a photograph of the person, they'll print it out maybe four by six inches, you know, so you can see the whole back, and they'll put tracing paper over it, and they'll design the back piece just that size, just a few inches by a few inches. And if it looks right and it looks good, you know. They just blow it up really big, and then just make the stencil from that. And in that way, it works. Yeah. You know, because it's like, yeah, if a guy 
four by six inches versus back piece size. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and that's the process part. Like some people just have their process down. They just can start with a really pretty loose sketch. You know, like Henry Lewis, I think is classic in that way. His stencils are a fucking mess of shit. <laughs> but he knows which line he's after. You know, like, he'll do a rough sketch, what I consider a rough sketch, and then I'll put another piece of tracing paper over it and then do the real line sketch, the yeah. lines that I'm really going to trace so I can really show the client clearly exactly what lines I'm going to be putting on their skin. Yeah. But it's just show them that kind of really loose sketch, and they just go, oh, yeah, I got a feel for what you're doing there. And he'll just make us a, a transfer of that. I might qualify. Yeah. I might qualify Henry as one of those mad genius types. Oh, I would. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I, you know, I think he's he's incredibly talented, and I really think he's just beginning. I think right now is like he's still uh, just like mad pirate, like out for adventure and just like rah, just kind of going for it. But I think at some point his body slow him down, kind of like mine has done to me. And I'm curious to see what happens there. I think yeah. when he has, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just curious to see what, where his work. Like anybody's, like even yours, you know. I mean, I get to see everybody's work kind of get older, just like that. Yeah. You know? And that's what's, that's what's cool. You know? Regardless. Nice. I think that's a, that's a good spot. We got, we got a good hour. Let's um, right. let's plug the show one more time. It's uh, I, I, I it's happening March twenty third in Oakland at yeah. I can't announce uh, enunciate the Spanish. No, it's, oh, it's just manos de oro, hands of gold. Hands of gold. Yeah, yeah. Ever, uh, I always hear a Mexican mom saying, uh, uh, I think it's give me your hands. But in Spanish? That's how I always remember Maho's hand. You know? It was like something I hear in Albuquerque. And it was like, oh, for shit, the kid's being bad. She's got to hold his hand. So, <laughs> okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, that's a funny association. I don't even know if that's the fucking. I'm a white boy. What a fuck do I know? Yeah, but it's, uh, it's not international. It's uh, East Oakland. Okay, cool. uh, I don't have the uh, number address on me, but you can uh, uh, go to the Rebel 8 blog. The information is posted there. And I posted it uh, on my Twitter, too. I don't even know if people look at that, but I'll be, yeah, it's on there, too. Okay, cool. And uh, I'll post it up in the blog when I post this up uh, this week, too. Yeah, fresh. All right, my brother. I uh, again, I appreciate your time taking the time to talk with me, and uh, hopefully, we'll see each other sooner than later. Now that you'll only be a couple hours away, now I can just jump on the train and come hang out, ride bike for a day or something. I plan on it, man. I plan on hanging out with the San Diego family a lot. My rent will be cheap in downtown LA, so I'll be able to pop down there for a week or two at a time and just chill. Beautiful. All right, my friend. Yes. All right, bro. Thank you again. Later. Yo, change the fucking channel. I burn a coma candle when the flame fades. Consider my flatline a soldier sample. We them cats talking noise behind that New York trash heap with a stench of commuter briefcase replaces a bad sleep.
sleepiness. The work of zigzaggers versus piggyback flashes. Training generation fall out. What a fool, brick lay a pin cushion crawl out. There's smoke in my iris, but I painted a sunny day on the insides of my eyelids, so I'm ready now. What you ready for? I'm ready for life in this city, and my wings have grown almost enough to lift me. I'm a dinosaur with Jones Beach in my hourglass, passing the time with serial killer coloring books and bags of marbles. Don't tell me you ain't the droid that held the mask to the charcoals. Don't tell me Lucifer and God don't carpool. This is our school. I'm not trying to graduate to life with the personalized bar stool. Head in a jar on the desk, feet dangling in the shark Man, please. Man, please. My name stands for my being, and my being stands for the woman who stood and braved the storm to raise the sea. Brother, son, sister, moon, mother, beautiful. Yeah. Middle sibling, suitable, but far from son of excellence. Back in the long time ago, I was the way the wishers wish, but Mrs. Miss, I slept through my appointment. Sort of liquid dreams of a thousand babies solidify and pick the rose and wilted the second I introduced myself as nervous. Well, it appears the scars of learning have spoken. Some are burning, some are frozen. Some deserve tall tales, some wrote them. Some are just the brutal repercussions of devotion. Mine are all of the above, cause everything leads to erosion. Now where I live, there's a homeless man. He sits upon yeah, a crane. makes a rusty trumpet sound like the music that angels make. Now if you ever come visit me, I suggest you watch the show. Tell him Aesop Rock sent you just to hear his horn blow like this.